You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Zach's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 328. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good interview for you today. It is with Dr. Diane Strakowski, who is a clinical psychologist. She is the at Back to Love Doc on Instagram. She comments on the show every week. I've been doing it for a long time now. You've heard her on some other podcasts. It was great to finally have her on. This is an excellent, excellent talk as we break down Zach and the women on this season of The Bachelor, and we will get to that momentarily. So before we get started, a few programming notes here. Number one, we do have a air date for the Women Tell All and is going to be Tuesday, March 14th. So we knew at some point, knowing that the end date and the finale was going to be on March 27th, we knew they had to double up at some point and show two episodes in one week based on where we're at. So that means next week, the 6th, is Budapest. The following Monday, the 13th, is going to be Hometowns. The next night, the 14th, is going to be Women Tell All, which makes sense because Ariel, Gabby, and Katie were not at the Women Tell All taping. So you're going to see Hometowns. Charity was at Hometowns. She gets eliminated at Hometowns. That's why she was at Women Tell All, so you'll see her the next night there. The 20th is going to be overnight dates, and the 27th is going to be the finale, which is going to be a three-hour finale like they usually do it, two hours showing what happened in Thailand, and then followed by a live after the final rose show. Still no news on who The Bachelorette's going to be, when filming begins. If I hear anything, I will keep you updated on that. Again, I've repeated this so many times, but they have never started filming The Bachelorette before The Bachelor was done airing. And we know The Bachelor isn't done airing until March 27th. But that would also be the latest they've ever started filming The Bachelorette if they started after March 27th. So, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I know that's not the answer you want to hear, but that's the answer I have right now because I haven't heard anything new in regards to that. The only thing that I've heard about The Bachelorette is two weeks ago, They were chosen, and they already know who it is, and I'm just not hearing names yet, but as we've broken down again numerous times, 18 of our 20 Bachelorettes finished in the final four of their season of The Bachelor that they were on, and 17 of the 20 Bachelorettes came from the season that just aired. So, if you combine those two statistics, your Bachelorette is probably going to be Gabby, Ariel, or Charity. Because that's what this show does. Could they go off the board and choose somebody that was never on the show before? Yes, but they've never done that in 20 Bachelorettes. It's always been somebody the audience knows who has been on the show and been on The Bachelor before. 17 of the 20 times, it was the season we just watched. So that makes me think it's going to be one of those three. I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't, and it's just a matter of who they choose to go with. Your guess is as good as mine. I think all three are great candidates. I could see Gabby in that role. I could see Ariel in that role. I could see Charity in that role. So I don't think they can go wrong with either of those choices. So we'll see what happens. Something that I don't talk to Dr. Diane about because when I recorded with her, it was on Tuesday, These quotes from Jess did not come out till Wednesday. But basically, when they taped The Women Tell All this past Friday, Us Weekly and a few of the media outlets send reporters there and they get to talk to the contestants to air at a later time. Well, they ran an interview with Jess that she said some things in regards to her breakup with Zach that we talk about, Dr. Diane and I, you'll hear us talk about that whole dynamic of was Zach in the wrong, was she in the wrong Jess's response was neither of us were in the wrong. You know, he's not right. I'm not right. He's not wrong. I wasn't wrong. It was just a miscommunication between us. I wish it could have been better, but it wasn't. And 
she said that at the Women Tell All taping. you got to remember, the Women Tell All taping is four months after that conversation took place, or three months, because that happened in October. So October, November, December, Jan- no, it happened four months ago. So, yeah, it was most of these people see things for the way they really were now, after getting some clarity, after watching it play out on television. But because I hadn't seen those quotes yet from Jess, we don't touch on that in this interview with Dr. Diane, but I do talk about it today on the daily roundup. If you want to go listen to that, where I read Jess's quote that she said at the women tell all taping, I just paraphrase part of it for you, basically saying that she didn't think Zach did anything wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. It was just a a miscommunication between them. And she also said that she was never upset with him, which has me scratching my head a little bit because it certainly seemed like back when that happened in October, four months ago, She was upset because she kind of stormed off and said, like, I'm not going to make any man beg for me, which all the power to her. But it did seem like she was upset. And now she's saying she was never upset with Zach. Mm, My guess is she was a little bit, but she doesn't want to maybe say it now. I don't really know. I was confused about one of her other quotes as well about being blindsided because then she said she wasn't. Because she kind of saw it coming. <laughs> like The whole definition of blindsided means you didn't see anything coming and you were completely taken by surprise. And in the same sentence, she says, in a way, I did see it coming, but I was still blindsided. I was like, okay. My mind just exploded. But a, a decent interview, uh, a good interview with her. And also, I talk about the fact that it's very easy to sit at home And then go to your computer and go on social media and go on Twitter and just lambaste these contestants and Zach for how they act in a relationship on a TV show that is basically unscripted drama. And it's probably the the number one thing that I've changed in my coverage of this show is just I'm not just ever going all in on something that I see happen on the show. I just point it out and I'll be like, you know what? They could have done that differently versus having this just visceral reaction to something somebody said and somebody did like this Zach conversation with Greer. It's like, okay, he made a bad analogy. There's been way more egregious things done on the show than Greer saying, yeah, I got COVID. It sucked. I didn't hit my quarter goals. And Zach saying, well, you're not comparing that to me finding a wife, are you? Like, yeah, probably not a good thing to say in the moment. He did an interview at the Women Tell All basically saying when he watched it back, he realized he said the wrong thing and he could have handled it better. So why am I going to sit here and just absolutely tear into the guy like a lot of people do on social media and then you look at it and you're just like, and your relationships have all been perfect? You've never said the wrong thing. You've never done the wrong thing. You've never made a mistake in a relationship. You've never made a mistake and apologized for something like That's why I realized there's no reason to ever do it. You'll point out mistakes. Kat should not have pulled him aside before his date with Charity. Was it the worst thing in the world? No. But she has to understand, if you do in that environment, it's not a good thing and you're going to get criticized for it. But I'm not going to sit here and just absolutely roast Zach for his comment about COVID to Greer. And it didn't even seem like Greer was all that bothered, and she got a rose at the end of the night. So what did it really matter in the grand scheme of things? But we we talk about that. We talk about a lot of other things with Dr. Diane Strakowski. So I know you're going to uh, enjoy this podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by Trail Mix Games. Mobile games are a fun way to pass the time, especially where there are some really good graphics and laid back you know, gameplay and a story full of scandalous secrets. Well, that's what you get with Love and Pies. You download Love and Pies by Trailmix Games for free. It's a casual merge two game where you build your own cafe, combine ingredients, but within it, there's this story of drama and romance. It is kind of unlike any game that I've really ever played. It's not like, you know, building blocks and shooting things down. It's um, you play as uh, Amelia is her name. You're taking over the old family cafe and you're kind of restoring it. But within it, 
there's like this mystery behind it. There's a family story behind it where there's a bunch of secrets that you find out. You decorate this cafe that has burned down, and then you build it from there, and then you just get to level one and then level two and all this stuff. And very relaxing, very interesting game. You guys should all check it out. And all you got to do is download Love and Pies for free today. That's Love and Pies, free to download in the App Store or Google Play. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 328. All right, let's bring her in. First time on the podcast, she is a licensed psychologist in California, and she has been making the rounds recently on a lot of the podcasts. You've probably seen her and heard her. It's Dr. Diane Strakowski. Dr. Diane, how you doing? Steve, I am great. Happy to be here. Let's immediately just dive in because you are somebody that really looks at this show from an angle of obviously being a licensed psychologist. You look at it for more of the emotions of the people and, and the reactions. And, you know, we can only go off of what the TV chooses to show us. So we always want to put that out there and, and kind of lay it out. But you are someone that has really dissected Zach this season, kind of like the rest of America, because. Yes. The armchair psychologist. Yes. Yeah. And it seemingly um, in the beginning, he made it like, hey, you know, I'm just I'm not I'm not here for any drama. You so there's any bit of drama. You're gonzo. And now in the last couple episodes, it seems like, whoa, 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 wait a second. What about this conversation with Greer where he turned around yep. her saying about, you know, COVID ending, you know, ruining her sales versus, I don't know, hey, I'm trying to find love here. So I think a lot of people have had opinions on it either way. Um, I'm just going to let you roll here and just give your overall take so far through six episodes of Zach. Okay. And, and Steve, I'm going to go even further than that because I want to, I do want to come back to our first impressions of Zach on Rachel season. Yeah. I cannot forget that. And honestly, one of the most telling for me is usually the family, the hometown, because as a therapist, I want to understand where has Zach come from? And we don't see a lot of this. I'm piecing this together and it's called media psychology because we no, we don't have the facts. Zach is not my client. If he were, I couldn't speak about him. Um, but I'm, I'm piecing this all together and also hundreds of examples of other people I have as clients. Right. So this is kind of general statements, but I use something called attachment theory to describe what I see on TV. Should I explain what that is? Absolutely, because that was one of the questions I was going to ask about was attachment theory. So Absolutely. Okay. So John Bowlby, founder of attachment theory back in the 1950s, was studying orphans from World War II. Okay. And he noticed that if you didn't have a close connection with your parents, that you would suffer romantically in your adult relationships. Then Mary Ainsworth, his predecessor, went on to actually do something called the Strange Situation, which was a scientific laboratory study that broke down, I'll just go over there, four different types, okay? The four different types of attachment style, number one, is secure, meaning that your parents were there for you most of the time. You felt like you can trust people because you trusted your parents, and they responded well to you. That's who you want to be, okay? That's ideal. But the reality is that relationship's pretty fragile. And most of the time, you can develop what is called an anxious, ambivalent attachment style. But I call that nervous because your nervous system is highly sensitive to threats, to being abandoned. And we see that with a lot of the women. And I'm beginning to see that with Zach. Okay. So also remember, Zach had a childhood illness that his mother, I don't know if you remember that he talked about that. Actually, Jess was the one who asked him, tell me something. And he said, oh, I almost died. Yeah, I do remember right? that. And, yeah. And I... a lot of the nurses came forward and said to me, well, that's not, it's not that rare and it's not that serious. But I wondered if his mother didn't interpret it that way. And therefore, he got the feeling of kind of a, a fragileness. Okay. So that I just like put a pin in that. All right. So that anxious person is going to go on reality dating shows because they want love. They are there for the right reasons, really. Okay. Number three is the avoidant type. We call them kind of dismissive. 
This is the person who comes from a cold family where the parents don't ask you how you feel. Like everybody's on their own. I got this. I get flooded pretty easily. Okay. But there's a coolness in that family. And oftentimes those people don't go on the show because they just would not deal with the drama at all. So, and then the fourth type is the worst. It's the people who have really, really had serious trauma. And this is like, thankfully, only like six to 8% of the population who literally were abused as children. And we call that um, disorganized or fearful avoidant. I call them confused because they have so much trauma. They just don't know who to trust. And chances are someone like that wouldn't really go on the show. So those are the four types. I'm watching those play out. And what I say is this, how the stress of the show makes things worse, okay? So we're all like tea. You don't know who someone is or what their attachment style or what their flavor is until you put them in hot water, okay? You're not walking around like in your attachment style all the time, only during high levels of stress. And that's why the show is entertaining because they're all under high stress. So keep that in mind. But this is why we're seeing Zach's inability to handle other people's emotions because I think he's playing it very cool, right? The producers are in your ear. Zach, this is your journey. Zach, you get to do what you want. And he kind of took the advice, I think, from Sean Lowe, right, the GOAT, to, you know, don't deal with any drama, Zach. But I think he took it too far. And what we see the breakdown is I also think Zach is quite young and pretty inexperienced. He's spoken about having one relationship where he's lost himself, but I don't know how many he's had. And I think with everyone coming at him with their stories, he's actually not bad in those moments listening. Oh, that's hard. But if you notice when they have feelings about him and something he's not doing, that's where he can't really tolerate that. Like he just doesn't have those conflict management skills. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I see that. And when I when I look at it and let's take last night, for example, because that's yeah. the most recent example was his conversation with Jess where he yep. sits her down and her, I guess, complaint is that, hey. I don't have a one-on-one -on -one yet and we yep. are basically next episode is the episode before hometown. She didn't specifically say it, but she's well aware of what's coming up. And Absolutely. when there are nine women left and seven of the nine by the end of last night's episode have had one-on-ones, you kind of know where you stand on this show. So I understand where Jess was coming from. And I think that Zach is well aware. And I think where Zach played it wrong last night was him while I get what he was trying to do and tell her that, hey, just don't focus so much on the one-on-ones, that's kind of, if the word is, I, I can never remember this as a word, disingenuous, because it is, because we all know how important one-on-ones are on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. So for him to say that to her, I get it. Ultimately, the bottom line was, Jess was never going to be who he picked in the end anyway, so I don't want to get right. too worked up over yep. what he said, but I understand where Jess was coming from. Is there a part of, so I thought Zach was definitely wrong by underplaying how important one-on-ones were. But yes, was there okay. any part of last night where you thought Jess harped on it too much? Where is it something where she gets some of the blame last night? Because it was just almost like, hey, he told you to stop worrying. Whether or not you believe him or not, he told you don't put so much stock into it, and yet you kept putting so much stock into it. So I don't, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? You know, I mean, I look at it like if I was the couple's therapist here, and I have to split it down the middle because it takes two right? Yeah. She was leading with a lot of anxiety. She knew absolutely the weight of it. Again, this is sort of post Game of Roses book where you know very well and from Bachelor data that if you don't get a one-on-one -on -one by week six, you're in trouble, yeah. right? Um, she can't get that out of her head. She also said some things that I thought were true for her, right? She's a slow burn. She um isn't that comfortable in group settings. Gabby tries to talk to her and kind of calm her down. She's obviously worked up. Okay. And as the couples therapist, I know that I've got to calm that system down. Both of them need to be calm and just wasn't calm. And so what happens is 
Zach gets flooded by her. He He's acting, right? Because he has to keep people around. But he too knows the weight of that. And I look at it about who's going to just be a better fit for him. Because someone who needs something from him emotionally, when he also is emotional, and what I see in that anxious, nervous kind of realm, it's kind of too much. Hmm. And so he doesn't know how to say to her, you know, um, hey, Jess, what I would love, Steve, between you and I, I would just love it if one time the bachelor or the bachelorette really leveled their own experience. What I think Zach could have said was, Jess, I know exactly where you are. These dates feel so important. Everybody tells you every minute with me is important. I know how you feel. I was in your place, too. Right. Yeah. Like that to me just could have been a more empathic statement. And I truly hope for Zach, he goes back, listens to these podcasts, slowly breaks it down and says in that moment, I think what he was doing is he was taking Jess's affect, her crying too personally, right? Because he feels everything pretty deeply. And he's like, oh crap, she's crying. I've hurt her. I, I just want this to end. And then he changes the story, right? He says that he sent Jess home when really Jess sent herself home. Yeah, it seems that's the way it was. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. we go back to last week and in last week's conversation, the conversation over Zoom, whatever you want to call it, FaceTime yes. and his conversation with um, Greer, with Greer, where Greer says, yeah, you know, COVID really sucks. It prevented me from yep. meeting my quarter goals. And he's like, well, you know. You're not really comparing that to me trying to find a wife, are you? And again, it was another conversation where some people really took it to Zach on that one and not being empathetic to more towards her. Yes. But I also saw an interview with him this past weekend where he said, you know what? He did seem to look at that episode back and be like, you know what? I could have answered that differently. So it does sound like maybe he understands now in the moment that wasn't a great response to Greer. But I also don't think it was totally insulting i just think he didn't realize how he was coming across to be honest with you I, I i don't think he got it until he heard the backlash watched the episode when it aired and then was like oh okay and now maybe and, he's saying that to cover his ass i don't know but that's what i got and, out of it. steve i watch these shows not because i care that much about any given outcome with any couple i really don't right i mean the people who are like oh my gosh if they don't make it you know but people do want a happy ending Right. They want to feel like I've invested my time and energy and it all kind of pays off. I do think that these are opportunities for growth, even if Zach has an anxious attachment style, because, by the way, the majority of the population does. OK, I have a quiz. Eighty thousand people have taken my quiz. The majority of people, 46 percent of women and 39 percent of men fall into this type. OK, we just have to get a little bit better. We don't have to be perfect. We have to recognize, oops, my nervous system is dysregulated. I need to calm myself down. I need to speak clearly, ask for what I need. I need to have a more positive attitude towards trusting people. I need to be vulnerable and I need to communicate in certain ways. But we can all get a little bit better. And yes, I was actually really happy. I saw that interview. Some people said it wasn't a full apology, but it had some awareness. And I'm hoping we're going to see more of that from Zach on the women tell all. Yeah. I think the awareness part of it was, was the yes. huge part. And the fact that that's right in that moment when he was talking to Greer, he, he wasn't aware clearly of how that's he was right. coming across and it just wasn't a way to answer her question. It just, it really, it was just, <laughs> it was almost funny. Cause I was like, how is he, how is he jumping to that from what she just said about her job? She wasn't questioning you. She was just mentioning, she was no. trying to make an analogy and he, took, he took it as a, a an attack I on him. The same. She was just trying to connect saying these two examples are not the same. And the more she tried, the more he was like, no, no, no. And, and here's the other thing. Sometimes anxious people want to be in control. It's like, I want to have the last word. I want to, because I feel so out of control that there, there's a way that it feels a little bit rigid. Okay. Mm. So 
that's why I'm leaning towards what I know about the family and really interesting. Somewhere I read his father in particular, Zach's father, because I put more weight on what the parents say than what a new person says, right? Yeah. And the father said something like, I worry about Zach's emotionality. Hmm. Okay. And I took that to heart and said that to me was a bit of the confirmation that he's in this kind of anxious place. But that doesn't mean, again, he can't improve. It doesn't mean he can't watch back, get better. And if someone is also asking less of him, right? If we look at people like Charity, she's not asking much of him. Um, we we look at um, Katie, she's not asking as much for him. So he's not going to feel so bad, right? Yeah. It's when people are asking something of him and he doesn't have it to give and he doesn't know how to say, Jess, how can I help you calm down? You seem really anxious. Um, I want this to be more enjoyable for you, but I get it. I get where you are. He could have said that to Greer. Thank you so much. He could have, I said, pulled a, a Matt James and said, thank you for sharing Greer. Right. He could have said, I, I really appreciate, you know, the example isn't perfect, but yeah, I did feel trapped. You felt trapped. I felt trapped. And one could even say, well, maybe Greer's career was more important than his search for love. Right. So it did. But all of these things are kind of feeling dismissive. And I think Zach is so in his head as many bachelors and bachelorettes are about being the perfect bachelor that they forget to kind of connect in these moments in real time. Yeah, that makes total sense because Let's face it. It is somewhat of a competition. I'm not talking about the it is. the game yeah. itself and, and the whole Game of Roses aspect of it. I'm talking about just you being the bachelor. You want to yeah. put on a good show. You want people to like you. You yep. want people to watch. So it's a competition in that. Like, yep. I you know, I don't want people to talk about me the way they talked about Clayton, or I don't want people to talk about me the way they talked about Matt yep. James. I just want to be liked. Anybody that goes on the show clearly wants to be liked and you're really putting yourself out there and it's it's very hard to do that in this day and age on social media so i you know i res i i give people the benefit of the doubt i didn't used to for sure <laughs> i I, I never gave them the benefit of the doubt i would just tear them apart and now it's just like you know what i've been through this enough to where it's like i get it now i i have to be show a little more grace here absolutely and steve there's another thing that happens and i see this in therapy all the time it's the tendency to what i call overcorrect. so like in the past i've been really shut down and i don't speak up for myself when i do try speaking up for myself it comes across a little bit aggressive because i'm practicing something new right and i, I just don't know how that sounds so i haven't had like an audience. I'm not like a comedian. and I get to try my material out on someone. So I feel like Zach is, is like practicing some new things. And let's face it, having, yes, 30 people vying for your affection, that is hot water. That's a very unique experience that how many people, and he's never going to be in that situation again. So what's hard is that people extrapolate this and say, oh, he's going to make a poor husband. Well, that's really harsh, right? You're never going to be with your husband competing with 30 people. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to be cognizant of the context and give people some grace that as long as they're improving, as long as they're getting better, what I would love, and I have been very outspoken about this. We've seen one therapist who was in Vienna with Clayton and that therapist, first off, was a psychodynamic therapist, which is not what I practice or what most people kind of practice. And that was a little harsh edit, right? I thought that was an actor. I didn't think that person was a therapist. Uh, uh, no, no, I looked it up. I thought she was a real therapist. Oh, okay. Uh, who, who then kind of tried to scrub her social media, by the way. But that also was not where therapy would come into play because at that point, there, it was a group date. You don't force people to go to therapy on a group date. That was awful. Yeah. What you know, what you do is in real life is after they get out of the show. So, Steve, how I would imagine this going is Zach gets now to 
look at all the comments. He gets to correct himself on the women's tell all. He gets to make the apologies as needed. He gets to grow in his relationship, whomever he chooses. We're not spoiling anything. And then he can become a better partner with this. Also, there's a thing in couples therapy we call managing thirds. Okay. Should I talk about what that means? Yes. So managing thirds is what all couples have to do. Okay. If I'm the couples therapist and I've got a husband and wife, the third might be the mother-in-law. The third might be the boss. It might be your kids. And you have to man. It's like the third of a triangle. Okay. You've got the couple and then you've got that person here in the bachelor. The third person is social media. I was going to say the audience, right? The, the third person is the audience, the fourth wall or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And the problem and why couples really struggle post show is because a lots of people are in your DMS, you know, Hey, if it doesn't work out with so-and-so I'm here. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like a lot of new information. And then there's other people going to the other person. Cause I watch other shows like love is blind, um, love Island, et cetera. And, the messages of run girl run or he's a big red flag it's like that's got to be so hard to manage right oh so sure. hard so these couples are more likely to break up because of that i mean clayton and susie came out and said that social media had a lot to do with their demise of their relationship you have to be like a brick wall and not allow everybody else's opinion about your relationship to affect you you got to be really strong and so that's when a couples therapist would really be helpful okay someone to work one-on-one -on -one with zach to learn these emotion regulation skills um learn more what i call emotional intelligence like how to hold space for someone when they're having a negative reaction zach could benefit from that and then as a couple to manage whoever his choice is to manage all that those the public's reaction interesting yeah i think this is something to where when you look at this show and i've spoken to former leads who did not make it with the final person they chose yeah. i've kind of almost gotten the same answer out of all of them is that there is a part of your relationship where you feel you have to stay together because you're letting people down if you don't. And clearly that's not a reason to stay with somebody. Yeah. But it certainly, like you said, can tear at you when, while it's very easy to say don't pay attention to what these people are saying, gosh, when it's nonstop and these lives of these people usually consist of being on social media, it's impossible or very hard to block out the noise. Very hard. It's so hard. And I truly feel like I wish, I mean, I think back in the day when Sean Lowe was the lead, I mean, that was 10 years ago, right? Yeah. The audience was different. Um, I think, you know, he was a different person. I also thought he had like, a. the problem with Zach too, is he's a little bit black or white. He's like kind of all in or he's not right. We, we, he needs like a third wheel, which is like a little bit more in the gray. Yeah a little bit more lightness and that would be another relationship skill to work on like humor. Right. I I've been married a long time. Right. We, we have to have humor to kind of deal with stress. Um, I I'd love it if he had that, but absolutely the, the public and people's perceptions and the pressure that they feel is inordinate. And also I've looked at the data of these, um, you know, Tom Brady and Giselle, right? The likelihood of, of couples who are in the public eye staying together is even lower than normal, mm -hmm. right? If the divorce rate is 50%, um, it's even higher in high media influenced couples. And so they need even more skills to help them manage that and to temper that by saying, you and I know something different. We are going to stay strong in this and what I also know is so hard is that like there's a move in there. Somebody's got to move and you've got to blend lives. And again, these are young people that that's a lot. It's a lot to take on social media along with physicality. All of that is just really hard. Well, I mean, it's something that I've talked about for years when it comes to this show in that look, it's 
two months of filming. And during those two months, like put it this way, if I were to start dating somebody and I go out on a first date, <clears throat> normally in a normal, in the real world, because this isn't real life that these people are going through when they're dating on the show. If I were to go on a date with somebody and it, and it went well and we were going to planning a second date every night before bed or even during the day, I can text that girl nonstop. We can go back yep. and forth. We can FaceTime. You don't get to do any of that on this show. And yep. you're also dealing with the fact that he is dating other people. In real life, they might be dating somebody else, but you can still talk to them and kind of get a feel based on their responses to you. Well, where am I on their totem pole right now? You know, am I someone that they respond to right away? Or are they someone that takes me three hours to get a text from? And it's like, okay, I kind of know where I stand. But you talk to any couple who has made it on this show and made it to the end, they basically have all said the same thing. The relationship doesn't start until the cameras stop rolling and filming is over because you don't even know this person that you just get engaged to. And if I were to talk to somebody every single day that I started dating, talk to, FaceTime, see, combination of everything, for two months, getting engaged to them at the end of two months would probably be still early for me. I give myself um, three months before I consider anybody serious in my life. So, Oh, Steve, absolutely. And I have said this for years also. One, I think they need a therapist at the end when things start. And two, I really, I know it's their logo and it's their brand, but the pressure to get engaged is yeah, huge. It's ridiculous. Right? It's too it, much. It's just, it's just too much. And I feel like this is not real world. People want happy endings, but the pressure is really to what you're saying. It's just not real world. And you would have so many other kind of data points to that you that are really missing here. Um, I think this it's a hard sell that people fall in love um, immediately. And you have to be so tough to then watch your fiance kissing 30 other women. I mean, yeah, it's. (laughs) It's really hard. And you said that you could see a future with her, too. What does that mean? Even Victoria Fuller, who's gorgeous, right, talked about how hard it was to watch Johnny saying the same lines to Gabby that he said to her. Yeah. No, it's it's certainly super hard. And it's yeah. kind of why, and we know that we know the engagement aspect is just for television. I get why the right. show wants that, but it doesn't yeah. clearly the statistics bear it out. It doesn't equal right. success, and it doesn't right. equal success for usually more than six months to a year. It's not like these people are all getting married and then ten or fifteen years down the line they're breaking up. They're lasting three months, six months, nine months. Right. It's because and, they don't know each other. Another interesting fact, too, in relationships, it's that first four months that are like really crucial, right? You need to be cocooning. You need to be going with your partner, spending special time, meeting each other's friends or family in in relaxed environments to, to sort of like lay the foundation, right? This is like a plant that hasn't rooted yet. It's, it's like everything is going to be so sensitized and you need deeper roots that just take time. So it's absolutely a model that's tough. So, so let's bring it back to Zach, though, because I do, I'm, again, hopeful that I really do think that Zach is in it for the right reasons. Okay. I think, okay. yeah, I mean, I would hope he is. <laughs> let's he, hope so. He, he seems genuine. Yeah. I was worried as I said, from Rachel's season, because he felt, um, I felt like they had had some kind of code, like we're not going to talk about this. And then he was emotional. That's why I think he's more the anxious type and really then spoke to something like you're one way in front of the camera, another way behind that to me was a, a concern. And then he is now concerned, right? If anybody's even slightly fake, like Anastasia, Oh my gosh, she's here for followers. Don't like that. Don't want to deal with the drama. Sean probably coached him on that. He's a little bit heavy handed on that. But with the right person, as I said, who's not going to ask a ton of him from validation, he could be potentially a good partner. He could be. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. 
And, um, you know, you probably know, I don't want to know because I don't want to be spoiled um, if they're even together or not, whoever his choice was. Yeah. Um, but I'm always not naive, but I'm always hopeful that, you know, with the right skills and with the right person, um, they could just buy more time to do all those other things that all couples need to do, which is build a foundation, get on the same page, um, have some fun and work through those things. And I think this is the one thing that's also lost when it comes to this show. And this may or may not have to do with anything regarding the end of this season. But you also got to remember that when you go on the show and you're the lead and you pick somebody, first off, the pool of women for you or the pool of men if you're the bachelorette is done by a casting company. They don't care whether or not they're finding your favorite, your most compatible person. So let's let's keep that in mind. And number two is not only is it coming from a casting department, they're clear. They're clearly not taking uh, location into consideration. And hundred percent. If you 100%. choose somebody that doesn't live near you, so not only are you starting off your relationship long distance for the time that filming ends until the time the finale airs, you have to have these secret meetups to where you only get yep. X amount of time with them, and then the finale airs. It's like okay, we're now a public couple, but she lives here and I live here. To me, I've always said. I'm not taking any of these relationships seriously. I don't care if they're engaged or not until one person moves for the other. Cause now I know they're at least, okay, I care enough about them to make this work. We're going to move because long distance is just to me, you're dating. There's an engagement label on it. Cause someone has a ring on, but to me, you're just dating. If you haven't moved yet, you know, when it's long distance and we've seen some people make the move and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to take this couple seriously. doesn't mean they're going to be married until one of them dies, but at least I know, okay, this is more serious than two people just dating because now one of them has moved kind of like um, from Bachelor in Paradise when Danielle moved to Ohio. She just recently made the move with Michael. Yes. It's like, okay, okay they're clearly starting to try something and they're a little more serious than two people who got off Paradise and decided to just, you know, continue to see each other. And then it fizzles someone like, you know, Jill and Jacob, like they lasted, uh, you know, a, a hot month or something like that. Because- Absolutely. I, I'm 100 percent with you. And that's why I do actually also watch Married at First Sight and Love is Blind, where they are in the same cities. And yeah. I think that really gives them a leg up. Oh, it helps for sure. How can it not? It you, know, you don't have to worry about helps. the long distance aspect, which is which is tough. I've done long distance. It's I- not easy. Oh, listen, Steve, I moved from Chicago to California for a fiance. And, and then it didn't work out. I 100% get it. I was young. It was it. And the stress was incredible. It was hard. I had to like pick up and start a whole new life. So I personally even understand how hard that actually is. Yes. I want to ask you about this because this is, this comes from something and this has to do with what we just talked about, but it it relates to a, a certain individual in this franchise. They, they can go nameless. It doesn't matter who it is, but it's somebody that I um, have talked to about this in the past. And, Basically, what they said was, and this is somebody who ended up as a couple uh, on a past season, and what okay. and what they said was, and and I've always said like I don't know how I would handle this, but kind of goes to what we just talked about is the fact that okay, you get off this show, you're a couple, you start getting emails from other women saying, you know, watch out for this. Hey, I saw him here with this guy, and her struggle was always. If I bring it up to him, he's like, why are you paying attention to that stuff? People are just trying to bring us down versus, but if I say nothing, it's literally going to eat at me because what if it is true? So that part has got to be, and I know it was really tough on this person because they said when they brought it up to their partner, like, hey, I I know I shouldn't be paying attention to this, but they gave a specific example and can you just tell me, can you ease my mind? And then it turns into a giant argument because what, you don't believe me. I'm your, I'm your fiance. You don't believe me. You're going to believe these people on social media. It's just like, I get why that person wanted to confront, but I also understand the person being confronted. Like my gosh, every time someone brings something up to you, we have to address this. So where's the balance in that? And is that what's just like, Hey, this is what you're signing up for. You have to understand that if you go on the show and you end up as a couple, it's going to happen probably on both ends. And yeah, you have to talk this stuff out. And maybe the person who's being accused of something doesn't get so defensive. I don't know. I mean, I saw it both ends and I'm like, yeah, I can see why he'd be upset, but I understand why she wants to approach him with this because it's got to be eating at her if she doesn't. 
Absolutely. So, Steve, what I would say is both of those needs are equally important. Yeah. The woman in this circumstance needs validation. She needs to know that this was a rumor and that this should be shut down. Okay. He, on the other hand, needs her to trust him. Right. That 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 she's going to be able to filter out that there are some could be malicious people out there. It could be a rumor. Yeah. Right. It's really going to be how that couple handles those challenges. So when it comes to couples therapy, back to even attachment, you know, it's 85% of the time when things are going good that there's no problem. It's these, this 15% to 20% of the time when there is conflict, that that's really going to be telling of the longevity of any given relationship. If the partner is going to be super defensive and say, well, you signed up for the show, that's not a good answer. You're not addressing my need, which is to be validated, to be heard, to be seen. You notice that's a theme for all the women, especially this season. Yeah. Zach, you see me, you hear me, you get me. That is what women want and need, mostly. Okay. Some people, if they're the avoidant type, they need space and distance and trust and respect. But it's going to be what you need based upon your attachment theory. So in my intake, I'm going to be getting all that information. Okay. What family do you come from? What do you specifically need? So here's another little nugget of therapy. So we can't do what is called the golden rule. Okay. The golden rule is do unto others the way you want to be done unto. Okay. A biblical statement. But it's like, I'm going to give you what I would need. Okay, like I would need validation, so I give you validation. Mm -hmm. But some people need space. Okay, so you have to know explicitly. So the conversation to have is, honey, during periods of stress, what do you need from me? Because what's happened is they've become dysregulated. They're emotionally upset. And if that couple can't calm down together, then they're going to have lots of fights. And those fights, they're going to say things that they don't mean, and it's going to be ugly. Okay. So that's the skill that I'm doing. And that's why it's not a cookie cutter thing. That's why some people make you more anxious. Some people make you feel calmer. And the whole point is to just find the right partner that gets that sweet spot, that gets it right. Hmm. No, I, I that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting way to put that. I, I totally get it. And I always felt for this person because they were really going through it and they didn't know. Yeah, and right. sometimes they bit their lip and they said, I just brought another one up. Oh, I just got another email today. And it's just like, yeah, that's tough. I understand. But if, if he's innocent in all this, he should be a little more reassuring, you know, and it, and it, and it didn't seem like it was, um, they're no longer together. So, um, sure. A and, lot, and so what happened a lot of it ended that? up being true. So she, her, her intuition was right. You know, that's right. And, and, and I, I say, you know, it, it's kind of tricky. I just did a post on this today. Like, do you trust your gut or not? Right. Well, sometimes if your gut is super sensitive to everything, not so sure that gut you should trust, but if there's enough information, maybe other things you should trust. So it's going to be really based upon the skills. So back to, I, I, I don't, to me, the outcome of any given couple isn't as important as are you growing? Are you learning? Are you becoming better? So on a scale of one to 10, where am I emotionally? Am I a 10? I'm so anxious that you look at me, I'm going to cry. I'm, my hands are shaking. I can't talk. I need to do my work, which is get down to like a level five. Okay. And, and that's my experience because I was an anxiously attached person too. Then I'm, I do my work. I'm in therapy. I'm like a level five. Then I meet my husband who's got his own issues, right? But now together I can heal and that's called earned attachment. And now I am better because I'm more secure from the trust of that relationship. Does got that it. make sense? Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that's the whole point. Like we can heal each other if we're doing this well, if we have good communication skills, that's why I'm so hopeful that that's what everybody wants. They don't want just to be happy. They want to be healed. Like they, they really want to feel like something's shifted for me. Well, you and know, that doesn't happen easily or, or lightly. It takes like five years for that to happen at minimum. So of course we're not going to see it in a reality dating show. And it, and it, look, it might sound cliche and it's something you hear about all the time when it comes to, you know, 
what's the mo- what makes a most successful relationship? You know, communication is thrown out there all the time, and everyone thinks that's so cliche, but it's it's literally the it's only way it's, it's only the only way a relationship survives. If you can't communicate, you have no chance of surviving in a relationship. Period. It's just not going to happen. Right. And, and that is two skills. That's like listening and speaking because if you're speaking too much you could be flooded maybe you need to filter maybe you don't just say everything you think and if you're not speaking enough then then learning to speak up but then listening and then finding out what your partner needs so it's like what are my needs based upon my attachment style what are my partner's needs based upon their attachment style and then how do we best communicate that in the middle And that's why I have to understand in depth, and I don't have enough information about Zach. I have only a little bit. And what I love is, you know, I love the hometowns. I want to see how he is with his family. I want to see how he is with his sisters, right? Like, and, and we're getting less and less of a kind of understanding who this person is. Like, you know, Ari, we knew he was a race car driver. We knew these other people, what they did and what they, we're not seeing enough of that. So that's kind of unfortunate. Right. It, 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 we don't get as invested in these people. Well, there's something that you brought up in a previous answer that I wanted to basically end this with. And that is about the women this season. And we see it actually every season, but it seems like even more so this season is this whole idea of just spilling your guts on a date. Oh your first God. date with this person yeah. about your ex. He was, yep. you know, he, tre- he emotionally abusive in yep. Br- Brooklyn's case, physically abusive. Now, I, uh, I I do understand that a lot of this comes from producers telling these women, look, he's got a connection with some other women. I mean, I, I know that they say that to these contestants. Like, if you don't open up to him, you're probably going home. So I yeah. get the pre- the pressure that is put on the contestants to do this. But in your field... Is this a form of, I guess, what do they call it, trauma bonding where you or is that when both people have a trauma and they connect over that or is it, can okay. trauma bonding I, be one person? I'm so glad you you asked the question. Yeah. And in Game of Roses, I just looked this up. It's called the personal tragedy card, the PTC. OK, right. You play your personal tragedy card mostly during the one on one at dinner. Yeah. Like, like it's very specific. Now, I. I'm not going to suggest this like this is not good couple skills. Okay. Because we're back to, there's no roots here. There's no foundation. So I'm going to tell you a personal tragedy, how my ex treated me horribly and what, where are we going to go with that? Right now, if, if you, if you pass the test, this is usually what's called like an empathy challenge then you'll say, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Tell me more. Like that's usually what the therapist does, right? But oftentimes the other person has their own story. So it's kind of like back and forth. Now trauma bonding is when I literally have trauma and there's what's called big T versus little T trauma, like real trauma. I've been abused by my parents, okay? Sexually, physically, emotionally. Small T is I've had these attachment wounds which aren't as technically as big, but can mount to something as big a feeling. Does that make sense? Like my feeling, my fears of abandonment. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So I would never suggest to lead with your trauma. It's like, it's just too much. And it takes a kind of negative seriousness. And to your point, yes, the producers are saying you've got the, the, the point of the show is there's an arc to it. And if you don't get vulnerable, if you don't, come with it if you can't say like i see a future with you if you can't say i'm falling in love with you i'm in love with you like there's a certain process why then would i choose you right if i'm the bachelor and i've got one person telling me they're in love with me and another person who's not there that other person's a risk right yeah so sure of course i'm gonna like want that to be a level playing field so there it's sort of like a forced intimacy now i have the crazy thing though is i have talked with enough people personally who have been on the show who don't who do say that there are enough elements that you really do feel like you're falling in love right well doesn't that doesn't that kind of go into the whole stockholm syndrome about this show where you're are you really falling in love with the person are you falling in love with the experience and the idea of this person that's right. But if yeah. we if, 
if we took your phones away, if you had no access to the outside world, if we bled in a little bit of competition, if we amped up the um, the outcome, right? All of that kind of creates, it's like the drama. It's like if my heart is racing, in fact, couples that play together stay together because I have this like physiological, if we go bungee jumping together, right? Yeah. There's like something that bonds us. So back to your point about real world dating, that's too much leading that soon what i would do is in real world you pace those things okay you tell a little bit on your first date yeah my my ex was jerk right then as you get to know them you give a little bit more and a little bit more so you start growing those roots and you start building that foundation you don't just flood them all at once with it and i, I think one okay. of the, i think that one of the unfortunate things for us as the viewer is when someone does this you know if yeah. you do that on this show, you become kind of an underdog story and people get behind you like, oh, man, look at what they've been through, what, what Brooklyn yeah, has been right. through. Yet someone who does go on a date and doesn't have a shitty ex and doesn't have this major life uh, altering thing that happened in their past, they almost come across as boring. And it's like, well, shit, I don't have anything in my past. And it to the audience, just like, OK, well, he went on a date and she's just seems like a seems like a nice girl great upbringing, doesn't have any past. And it's almost like you don't connect with that person because they didn't share some right. gut-wrenching sob story. And it's almost unfair to somebody, I, you know? I know. I, and I really wished that we would bring this back again to more real world dating because yeah. real world dating sucks and it's so hard. And with, you know, it, it's like what we call the paradox of choice with so many options, you end up choosing none. And, and you're fixated on every little text and what people says or what they what they don't say. And and the the show is quite different than that. And I do agree that we are uh, for dramatization effect. We're, we're focusing a lot on the negative. And in real world, you need to have a balance of play and fun and lightness to, to even get you interested in someone's story. Right. It, it's yeah. like. That, and that's the part that's missing because it's so condensed. So everyone should watch it with, I think, an eye towards what are the lessons we can learn? The lessons are, are you growing? Are you doing the best you can? Are you presenting yourself with a mix of soft and hard? Because it's going to take all those skills and humor and empathy and holding space for your partner and being able to calm your partner down. I mean, it's like, you're going to need all those real life skills. So whether, whether it works out with this one person or not, use those opportunities to better your communication skills. You know, you know? I, I, I've always kind of wait. I've always kind of wanted to and wait. I, I want to see a one-on-one -on -one dinner date where the girl says, I had an absolutely great relationship with my ex. We dated for five years, but you know, things happen. We were going in different paths, but he'll always be close to me. He'll always be one of my best friends until the day I die. I want to see how The Bachelor reacts to that, to see if he can emotionally handle the fact that she is still really good friends with her ex and the relationship ended well and see if he could actually handle that as opposed to, oh, my God, my ex did this to me and he was I was the worst girlfriend and he constantly put me down. It's just like it's very easy for The Bachelor to step in and be like, I can fill that role for you. Well, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. You know? point zach that so what happens is i get to go from a zero to a hero exactly. in the first scenario right yep where all i have to do is do a little bit better than your ex and you think i'm amazing Bingo. i'm so amazing because i said oh my god that must be hard and like my ex didn't make me feel beautiful and you t give me a compliment and we are all good right yeah um but Let's you and I circle back when that date actually happens. I would like to see because you're right. Then that poses even a different challenge, right? Like, wow, you're still friends with them. Should I be threatened about that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what we I'm saying. I want to hear it because we just never world. hear that. We never hear anyone say, yeah, I had a great relationship with my ex. It lasted X amount of years. We're still friends to this day. We'll never get back together because we're, we realize we're different people, but he's a great guy. He thinks I'm a great girl. We're just not great together, and but he's still in my life. Then it's just like, okay, does the bachelor get jealous? Does he get possessive? Does he get controlling? Well, I don't know if I could handle that if you were still friends with your ex. Why not? I just told you 
we're right. we're never going to get back together. It's just, but he is important to me because he was a major part of my life. You know, something sure. like that. And to me, back to um, what I talked earlier about, like the stress as the water heats up. You know, what happens is in the arc of every show is that I have power and control for the first many episodes, right? And then suddenly when people start self-eliminating, I'm like, ooh, wow, real world. Back to like this real world example that you're bringing up. And suddenly then the, the power kind of shifts, right? Might I lose somebody when my type, top people leave? And that's also another sign like how well they manage that. And, right? and that's not easy to do. I mean... I, it, yes, I'm watching closely. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really curious to see. I mean, obviously, we've still got time the rest of this season. should be over in about yeah. a month or so. And then, again, it's another couple from this show that, all right, let's see how they conduct themselves in public. Let's see if what we saw on the show is really their true identity. Because also on the show, when we're watching it, we know that these people are well aware that a camera is in their face and they're yep. well aware that this is a very popular show where they're going to be judged by the public. So are they putting out their, as Chris, Chris Rock used to say, their representative on these yep. dates versus who they really are? And, you know, we, we'll know more as the season ends and then we, we see them interact on social media once they can become a public couple and what they post. And, and even that, again, is just a snapshot. They're never going to post, hey, so-and-so and I just got in a big fight. Uh, here's here's how we're reacting to it. I mean, we're never going to see that in relationships no, but, on social media. But to your point, that's exactly right. That's going to be how they manage that, how yeah. they manage it together if they turn towards each other, which is what I would want a couple to do, versus away from each other. So these are just couple skills about how do we emotionally handle those challenges. And um, I think it's just fascinating conversation. I always think there's something to learn what to do what not to do what to do more of um and so for me i'm always interested every season right like who's going to be the lead who are going to be the other people I, I i think it's just a fascinating experiment yeah it's for sure a and a a very interesting social experiment and just like anything even though it is a couple on tv that we're only seeing two hours of every week um, you do want to cheer for them and you want to see, and you know, it just, the, the track record is not great for bachelors. We know this. It's a little bit better for bachelorettes. Cause I think the women go into it and take the show more seriously than, than the men do. Cause the men are like, well, if it doesn't work out with my girl, um, you know, plenty of people just saw me on a dating show as the lead. And it's almost like, there's my dating profile for everybody. And it's out there. And then anyone can DM slide and he has so many more options where well, women don't go I, on the show for that. I don't think women, I, don't, women don't go on the show to get laid. I think the men do. That's, yeah. And Oh, and then we got it. Yeah. I really hope that also Zach goes back to what his day job is. You know, it's um, that's the tough part too. When you become an influencer, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't look like Zach, wants to go into the influencing world, but okay. you know, we'll see when this is over. I mean, he says it now yep. we'll see when yep. it's over, but uh, Dr. Diane, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Great. First talk. I'll definitely have you on again in uh, the future. You are the back to love doc on Instagram. Go check her out. And again, thanks for coming on and we will certainly be in touch. Yes. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate just educating people about, individuals about therapy because we're all on a journey for love yes you know? and and the thing is and one last thing is it's just like like i said about watching these couples or whatever no matter what relationship you're in the whole point is if it doesn't work out and even if it was the worst relationship ever you always have to take something from it you learn from it and that's all you have to do is learn right. from all your relationships right. you know and yep. that's and that's huge so again thank you dr ann really appreciate it and uh, we'll be in touch okay all right thank you bye Thank you so much to Dr. Diane. What a great conversation. You know me. I've said this before, and you know, for years I had the Dr. Reality Steve column. I'm fascinated with other people's relationships. I like talking about other people's relationships. It's why I cover this show, uh, along with you know being able to spoil the show for you. But um, it's funny because you know by the time you're hearing this, about three minutes before I started recording with Dr. Diane is when the picture that you're all aware of that surfaced of Zach and Katie at the final rose ceremony that got out, uh, 
literally happened. So my phone is blowing up as I'm recording with Dr. Diane of all these people sending me, oh, you're right, you're right, and oh, look at the picture. And it's just like, you know, I appreciate the people sending it to me, you're right, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know how else to put this other than, yeah, I know I was right. Like, there wasn't any doubt um, based on what I was told. Like, I... I get that people want me to be wrong. I understand that. I don't really get it. I mean, the thing is, the thing that I understand is I understand there are people out there that want me to be wrong. What I don't understand is why they want me to be, is why they want me to be wrong so much. Like it literally runs their lives. So that's just stupid. But my thing has just been like everyone that was kind of patting me on the back as I'm getting these texts and emails. I'm like, yeah, I know. I mean, here's, you know, proof. Very rarely do we get proof of something like this. I think it's only happened. I believe it's only happened two other times with. Um, yeah, it was uh, as I'm as I'm recording this now on Tuesday. Off the top of my head, I know Ben and Courtney had a picture that got out there because that made the tabloids. And then the whole Becca and Garrett thing, because someone came to me. Remember that whole story? Someone came to me and said, I've got a picture of Becca's final rose ceremony with her final guy how much do you want to pay for it? I go, I don't pay for info. Sorry. And then the very next day, TMZ had the pictures of Becca and Garrett at their final rose ceremony. So, um, those are the only three. And then this one now that is out. I, those are the only three that I can think of. I might be missing one, but I don't think pictures have ever gotten out where it gave away who the final couple was. And anytime I've given a spoiler, it's just like, yeah, you're going to have to believe me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said at the time when I spoiled it, obviously I can't give away sources, but based on who told me, what they told me, and how they knew, I knew it was right. But that's all I can say to you people is, I, I guess, you know, you got to trust me. Um, but it was nice uh, to see the picture confirmation so I didn't have to hear it for the next three weeks about, well, what about this? And somebody's following Gabby's family. Is this doing this and following Zach? And and doesn't stuff doesn't matter. It does not matter. I tell you this all the time. The only thing that matters is finding out what happened during filming, because after filming airs and social media starts to begin and everyone's social media accounts are turned back on, you can create a narrative to say this person is the final one based on this, this, this and this. But you can also create a narrative for somebody else or even three different people. There were plenty of clues out there that it could have been Katie. And if you wanted it to be Gabby, you could have absolutely put together a narrative, which people did, that it was Gabby. But it can only be one person. So everybody that had anything to say about, well, it's Gabby because this, 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 and this, you were dead wrong the whole time. You just wasted your time trying to figure out a way that it could be Gabby when it wasn't because you were trying to piece stuff together post-show when my spoilers are trying to find out what happened during the show because that can't be changed and that can't be misinterpreted. If I find out what happened on the final day of filming, nothing that happens in social media from that day forward matters. And once again, it didn't matter this season. So thank you to Dr. Diane for coming on. Really appreciate it. She's definitely going to be a guest on in the future. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. It's much appreciated. Your daily roundup has been posted. Your sports daily has been posted. And we will be back yet again tomorrow with another daily roundup and sports daily. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.